I don't know if you know this, but sarcasm is a spiritual gift. Um, Jesus uses sarcasm pretty regularly. I, I don't know if you know that, but next time you read through Jesus' interactions, especially with uh, some of the religious elite, uh, you'll pick up on some of those, those tones that come in there. Um, but enough about that. I've only got five minutes. Um, so what I want you to do, what I want you to do this morning, if, if you could just kind of go into the imagination of your mind, you don't have to close your eyes unless you just really want to, and I want you to think about, in your view, how you would envision uh, the perfect church. So, so think about what that church would look like. And don't just think about the physical appearance. Uh, don't just think about the exterior, the interior, you know, what, what it looks like. But think about the vibe of that church. Think about the style. Think about the elements that would be incorporated maybe in a worship gathering of that church. Um, think about how the people interact in that church. Think about, am I giving you enough time? I've only got five minutes, so you got to think and imagine this quickly. Um, think, about, think about how you would measure success in, in that church. What would success look like, and how would you measure that? How would you communicate that to people, and how would you uh, emphasize that? And as you take a couple seconds to imagine this, I want you uh, to also think through what you see as a primary importance. And so I want you to think through, like, what is the one thing, if your church that you envision does not accomplish, then, then it has not been for what you hoped it existed for? And think through that as, as well. Um, what does it look like? What do you come up with? What's fascinating to me about this is I know that even though all of us have come here and gathered for somewhat of a shared specific purpose, that we'd have just almost just as many answers as we do people in this room, that we all have different life experiences, we all have different faith backgrounds that we bring with us to the table as we gather together, we all have different expectations because of the, the place we are in our life, sometimes our uh, life, uh, you know, station where we are right now is what drives that. If we have kids or if we don't have kids, if we're married, if we're not married, all those things kind of come together and inform how we view what church should be or maybe what it should look like and whether or not the things that we share that are of utmost importance and value are even on the radar of someone who's sitting just a few seats away from us. It may, it may not be. And it's always interesting to me in how that's reflected in the very backgrounds of so many people at Velocity. See, I get to, I get to meet people all the time at our church for, for some reason, and, and I get to hear just some of the different uh, faith traditions, denominations, sometimes even no church background that people are coming from. And so some of the, you know, and of course we know there's all kinds of Christian denominations throughout the country and that, that there's so many things that maybe we, we should share in common that, but that we don't. Maybe sometimes there are even just beliefs, outright beliefs that kind of separate us in, in why we don't gather together with, with other people who have conflicting beliefs about uh, the Bible or about God or about Jesus. And, um, and for those of us who don't have any background at, at all in church, maybe there's some things that you experience here that are wholly new to you <laughs> that you're still kind of like, I'm not sure why they do that or why, uh, why this, this is even a thing that they spend time on. It, it maybe seems strange uh, for that, but we all come to the table with some sort of expectation of uh, all these combined interests and experiences and expectations, um, and maybe sprinkle in a little bit of basics and foundation of belief in Jesus, and you end up with this. You end up with a group of people. Don't laugh. Like, no, no, this is great. This is a beautiful thing. 
You end up with this group of people. You end up with groups of people throughout the globe that are gathering together, uh, worshiping God, maybe learning about him new uh, for the very first time, uh, and, and trying to seek out what God has for them in their life. Now, of course, at Velocity, we have our own personality. Uh, we emphasize some very key elements of being a disciple. You've seen maybe our rules that we even post out on the road frontage. No perfect people allowed. Uh, we're, still, we're still working on that one. Uh, no one stand, nobody laughed for that one. All right. No one stands alone, and everyone's story, story matters. Because there are some things that we know as a church, why we exist, why we were started to begin with, that informs how we're going about this mission that God has called us to of helping people find Jesus and love God. It's the mission that all of us are called to as Christians, but we are in particular are concerned about people who have given up on church or who don't go to church. And many of you have had that experience and has formed why you're here uh, this morning. In fact, uh, we value who we are as a church to a pretty high degree, and so as a church leadership, that's something that we evaluate, that's something that we uh, look at and we want to continually improve on, and so that we do that in a number of different ways. One of the side notes uh, for that, in recognizing that we all have ownership stake in this, is we kind of care how we're doing in some of those things as a church. And so one of the ways that we're going to try and, and help measure that for, for us as a church family is we actually have a survey are you excited yet? <laughs> at velocitychurch.info, and it went live at 10.15 this morning. I put it a little bit earlier because I, wouldn't, I didn't want to try to like make, match it exactly at the time that I was going to say this, although that would have been really cool. So if you go to velocitychurch.info, you can check that out. We have a survey there that we want to, as a church leadership, we just want to understand, hey, how are we doing as a church, when it comes to living out our, our mission, what is, what is the, the impact that we're making on the people that are here, and, and what, is the, what does that look like? Because we know that what we do has eternal significance. Uh, God has blessed us to be in this place, in this time, to bring him glory, to share other people with him. And so we want to make sure that we're being uh, good stewards of that. And all of this it ties into what we're talking about this morning. So make sure you check that out at velocitychurch.info. On a very basic level, in the way that Jesus tells us to interact with each other, all Christians should be on the same page. The reason for why we gather and what we're trying to accomplish, all of us should, should have, hopefully, the same, the same answer. And Jesus, as he's nearing his sacrifice on the cross, he provides guidance for what this should look like in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says this, A new command I give you, Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that love for one another is the impetus for why we do what we do. It's the foundation for, as Christ followers, why we gather together as a congregation, what we're trying to accomplish here as a church. It is that love that we're called to have one for another. And so as we, we've been in this sermon series called Jumpstart, and we're talking about five different ways that God uses to jumpstart or to grow our faith. We've talked about Bible application. We've talked about godly relationships. We've talked about spiritual discipline. As we talk about personal ministry this morning, we'll talk about faithful circumstances next week. As we talk about personal ministry this morning, this is the fulfillment, what we're talking about this morning, is the fulfillment of this idea that Jesus instills in his, his disciples, that people would recognize us as followers of Jesus in how we love each other. Now, you could take personal ministry a couple different ways. One of those is you could take that in how you're personally ministered to, 
And, and that could be the way that we think about that. And it's, oh, man, I could see, yes, how that would provide a jump start in my faith or how it would make, make my faith grow. If I was served just as well as I possibly could be if people were serving me, then I would grow in my faith, and that would be an amazing thing. And that's one way that we could take that. Um, but it, this is not about that. And, and, and it shouldn't be about that either, uh, side note. But this is how you and I put loving one another into practice. It's about what we personally do to serve others. And this is one of the most impactful things uh, on, on our faith journeys that we can possibly have. When we personally respond to opportunities and requests to serve others, it doesn't just benefit those other people, even though maybe that should be significant enough motivation for us. It also enables us to more fully and more completely understand the love that God has for us. The love that disciples of Jesus have for one another is recognizable by how we serve each other. That's how other people are able to recognize, oh, man, there's something different about this following Jesus thing by how these people relate and serve and interact and love each other. And to be clear, this comes with a presupposition that we are serving one another. I mean, that's just a given when it comes to Jesus and how we follow him. There's not a form of following Jesus that doesn't include this in our lives. It's the response of the disciples to the resurrection. That's what they do. They give their lives to serve and to share Jesus with others. Here's a statement that Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, uh, writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And maybe you've not thought about it in this way, but each of us have received a gift that we're meant to use to serve others. And using that gift to serve others is faithful stewardship of God's grace given to us. And the end result of God being praised through Jesus is precisely what we're hoping to accomplish and is accomplished when we serve one another. I mean, this type of service and its impact on our life is something that we experience in every facet of life. You take any kind of industry, you take any kind of job, I don't, I don't care what position you hold in the, the company that you, that you work in, at some point along the way there has to be some sort of service, customer service involved in that. And it doesn't matter how great your product is, it doesn't matter how great what you produce may, may be, whatever it looks like, if you have poor customer service, you're probably not going to have a great track record as a business. You're probably not going to thrive nearly as much as you would if you had great customer service because we know that if everyone is a jerk, even if your product is great, you're not going to get very far with people because it matters how we interact with each other. You need to take your car into the shop to get worked on. I mean, what's the first thing that we're looking for? We're looking for a mechanic who doesn't what? Who isn't going to cheat us, Because right? we probably don't know nearly as much about a car as maybe we would want to when it comes to that time where the mechanic comes in and says, well, you need this done, you need this done, you need this done. You're like $1,500 later. It's like, really? Man, maybe there's some things I didn't, didn't need done on there. And so we look and we ask for each other, hey, where's a, where's a reputable place I can take my car where I'm not going to get cheated or somebody's not going to inflate uh, the cost because they're just trying to serve themselves and line their own pockets? Good customer service. It's a big deal to all of us. 
It impacts our moods. It impacts how we interact with, with other people uh, for the rest of our day. If we don't have a great barista, you know, when we go get our coffee in the morning. Does anybody do that? I don't know. Um, if you're new this morning or if you've ever looked for a new church, this, um, there are likely a few basics that are really important to you. There are some studies that are done on uh, things that turn off people from church. And so here are a couple, for example. So people want to know, are people friendly? And, th- and that can be a whole thing because friendly like, comes in all kinds of different shapes and sizes and how we define like. Like some of us are like, please, please don't touch me. <laughs> you know, that would be me. You remember the whole, like, I don't even like to hold hands in a prayer circle. So like, that's kind of like where, where I am. And it's okay. That's okay. No perfect people out. Uh, some of us, you know, we're concerned about like, I mean, is, is the place clean? You know, um, are my feet going to stick to the floor? Well, that's different if you're meeting in a movie theater, which we, we've been there. We've been there, done that. Um, yeah, and, and, and so, like, do people even care to take care of the place that they're meeting in? Is that a thing that we can see and observe? Or if you have kids, like, one of the top most important things to you, are my kids going to be safe, and are they, are, gonna, are they going to be cared for? And in each of those areas, somebody has to step up and make sure that those things are taken care of. Uh, there, it's a small cross-section of once, but some of the basic things that we take for granted that somebody is going to take care of for us to experience has to come from people who are willing to step up to actually do it. And we're the, when we're the ones who do do those things, we're not just filling, fulfilling an obligation that, that has been placed upon us. We're, we're experiencing growth in our faith. And when we're not, when we're not a part of those things, uh, we're letting God-given strength in our lives just atrophy and go to waste. Maybe serving others has seemed intimidating to you in the past. Maybe it's a lack of knowledge, or maybe you just aren't sure where to start. Maybe you've been burned or burned out. Um, I, I can relate to those things, but here's what I know to be true when it comes to personally, being personally involved in ministry. By the way, that word ministry, it just means serving. When we serve, we're a part of God's work. And, and this is something Jesus regularly invites his disciples into. I mean, Jesus, when he came and he was in his ministry, the things that he accomplished, he didn't need those followers around him. He didn't need the 12 to follow him everywhere and accomplish the things that he did. He did but he invited, just as it's part of God's character and nature, invites them into relationship to work alongside them, to draw them into his work that he's accomplishing. One of the... Uh, fairly well-known uh, times when Jesus does this is in a, mir- a miracle called the feeding of the 5,000, uh, which is a misnomer. There are more than 5,000 uh, there. So if you open up your Bibles to, to this passage and it says feeding of the 5,000, just put a plus symbol next to that. It's cool. You can write in your Bible. Um, because there are more people than there. In, in Matthew chapter 14, so that's the text we're about to read, um, Jesus had just received news that his cousin John, who was John the baptizer, he had been beheaded and killed. And despite the fact that he was mourning this loss, crowds of people sought after Jesus so they could be served by him. Um, and this is what happens. When Jesus heard what had happened to John, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said, uh, We've got five loaves of bread and two fish. 
And so after this long day of healing and interacting with this 10,000 plus or so person crowd, the disciples pragmatically recommend that the group disperse so they can get a head start on taking care of themselves, hit up the local food vendors, you know, support local. And, and I suspect, I suspect that there may have been some genuine concern for Jesus. After all, he's mourning the death of John. He's been helping these people likely without much of a break. And they're probably pretty tired themselves of the constant stream of people. And I'm pretty confident as well that they did not expect Jesus' response to them at all. Jesus asked the disciples to not just serve the people around them, but to do something that wasn't reasonable and wasn't possible. He says, you feed all of these people. Yeah, I know you got a snack here that some kid, you know, his mom packed for him because the only one that planned, planned ahead. But, but you, you feed everybody. You take care of that. And this wasn't reasonable. It wasn't possible, at least not by in any means by which the disciples can accomplish Jesus' request. And while there seems to be some kind of effort on their part to comply with Jesus' direction, they certainly don't believe it will do any good. Here's, here's a snack. <laughs> I, I don't know how this is going to help. And man, it is, it is so easy to think that what we have to offer isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I, I mean, I wrestle with that pretty regularly myself, that what I have to offer is not really that great, not that big of a deal. Or it's really easy to assume that somebody else will take care of it, somebody else's job, somebody else, I'm sure somebody else will do that and handle it if we don't. Or, or maybe it, it's easy for us to even be insecure in knowing that what's been requested of you isn't something that you feel like you even have the ability to fulfill. But what Jesus does with, with this putting them in this impossible situation with this request to serve these people, what he's about to show the disciples in this crowd is exactly what happens when our effort meets God's blessing. In verse 18, Jesus says, bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. And this is such a poignant picture of the kingdom of God that Jesus ushers in with his life, ministry, death, and resurrection. The disciples produce what they could muster, and then Jesus exponentially increases that effort to not only encompass the crowd, but to have more than enough left over. It's not law, the significance of the 12 baskets is not lost on knowing the 12 tribes of Israel that, that are there and what Jesus has come, come to do and provide uh, for the people. Maybe what you have to offer seems insignificant. Maybe it seems like oh, I've got some loaves of bread and some fish. I could break that into some pieces and hand that out. Yet our willingness to serve with the strength that God produ provides produces increasing moments of significance, and that how it, that's how it grows our faith. We've all had someone serve us, and when we've thanked that person profusely, they brushed it off maybe as something not extraordinary. Oh, you know, anybody would do this. I'm, I'm just helping out. We know better because of the impact that it's left on us. Maybe it lifted us up in that moment. Maybe the investment that person made in our well-being or joy, uh, you know, or maybe investment they made in one of our family members has left an indelible mark on how we view others and how we view life, and most importantly, God. And that's what serving does. When we serve... The same thing takes place in our lives, and yet we receive just as much benefit 
Because serving through personal ministry to others draws us closer to experiencing God's heart. It brings us closer to his heart, to his mind, how he thinks about us. That's why it's such a significant piece of jump-starting or growing our faith. If you want to know God more, if you want a faith in God to grow more, serve the people around you he came to serve. And of course, this is true for in the church and how we love one another as disciples of Jesus. Every week we reap the benefit, I reap the benefit of others serving us, be it with, it our, be it with our kids, uh, with our coffee. With, by the way, it's from a local roaster now. Have you noticed that? Blanchard's is now, that's where we're getting our coffee from. We've, we've stepped it up quite a bit from the old school Folgers. I don't know if you knew that. Um, right? Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, cool. All right, so coffee, there are people that brew that each moment, each morning, fresh. The trash is picked up. That's kind of like we would notice eventually, right, <laughs> if all the trash just stayed, stayed there on the floor. Someone telling you, hey, when you came in this morning and being part of, and there's Listen, there, there's, a, there's a whole lot bigger list than just those things. And being part of a team serving in the church is how we all become engaged and involved in how God is moving in our lives. It's how we grow our faith as a community. It's how we love one another. Um, obviously, we have opportunities for that. We want you to be engaged. And so uh, you can go to velocitychurch.info, and there's a card on there that says serve, and there are all kinds of different ways that you can do that and find out more about that. This is your personal invitation to do that uh, and let us know if you want to be involved. But it's also true socially in how we interact, how we care about the things that happen around us and how we're called to serve. It's also true in the workplace and how we think about our work, our theology of work. We talked about, we had a sermon series about that. You can check that out on our, on our podcast if you want to learn more about that, how we think about what God has called us to do and how he's gifted us. And it's true in our families, in our friendships. Man, it's so important that, that we see that in the home, you know, places, places that we have the clo- our closest relationships, that the, the ways that God has gifted us to serve those people leave lifelong impact for them, lifelong eternal impact in, in, in their life. And you may not feel qualified, um, and you may not be even sure what your gifting is. Let me tell you, um, I, one of my spiritual gifts is cleaning toilets. Like, sometimes that needs to be done, or wiping down tables, or vacuuming. And I've got that in my back pocket, so if nothing else, there you go. Um, but that's everyone who's ever started doing anything worth doing. Like, they haven't started off thinking, oh, I've got this all put together, and I can do all these things. Maybe you don't feel like you have the time and the energy. Um, be reminded of Peter's words in 1 Peter chapter 4 that not only have you been gifted, but that God provides the strength as well. When it comes to serving others and, and the impact uh, that, in, that it has in growing our faith, it can't be overstated. We've all been asked. Um, it, it might be more than what you think you can accomplish, but when you say yes, you'll see what God can accomplish in and through and around your life. Let me pray for us this morning. God, as we consider how you've gifted us and strengthened us to serve those around us, I mean, there, there, be, there are going to be times where we feel like we don't have that much to offer, um, that we're, we're not even sure why you ask us to offer those things to begin with, but we know that you exponentially increase uh, those things in ways that we can't even imagine when we're willing to be faithful uh, with those things and return them uh, in service back to you. God, we ask that you give us a clear prompting from the Holy Spirit and how you're calling us to, to serve the around us. 
whether it be here uh, as part of this congregation, this church family, whether it be in the workplace, at home, uh, with the, the things that are help happening around us in our community. And God, we, uh, we thank you for promising strength uh, to see those things through as well. We praise you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.